This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Welcome to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You, where in a single moment you can recognize your brilliance and change your life. This is a transformational hour that covers an array of topics that demonstrate how individuals use their native talents as shown in their name to look at the ordinary in extraordinary ways. Albert Einstein once said that everybody's a genius. Why would one of the smartest people on the planet declare that everyone is a genius unless he knew that to be true? I'm Sharon Lynn Wyatt, and in each weekly show, you'll hear the fascinating ways other people discovered the genius in them and what they were able to accomplish. At the end of each show, you'll hear clues on how you can recognize your own innate genius. All over the world, people have many, many diverse interests, and in that vein, people have written to our show's producers and asked about different occupations and areas of life that have highly interested them. People want to know how highly successful people have managed to achieve their genius mindset by utilizing the gifts that are seen in their name using namology science. Some of the letters asked about how does someone create fun in their life and how does someone switch from being work-focused to play-focused. Our expert tonight is Tamara Michael, who has done the most remarkable job in transforming herself from being an executive to full-time fun. She has written The Suitcase Wife. Tamara Michael finally settled in Winston-Salem, North Carolina after a 30-plus year career with the U.S. Postal Service. She was born in Allington, Pennsylvania and got a B.A. in Art History from Moravian College in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, where her aunt Bess taught English. Bess embraced being Tamara's role model by instilling a love of traveling, a sense of adventure, and a desire for a college degree. After divorcing, Tamara and her son, Sean, moved from Pennsylvania to New Jersey, the first of many moves with the Postal Service. The following year, they moved to New Orleans, followed by job opportunities in Milton and Pensacola, Florida, and then back to New Orleans, and then to the beach in Gulf Shores, Alabama, where she stayed for nine years as the postmaster. She loved being on the beach, but boredom set in. A one-year detail in Washington, D.C. beckoned, assignment to the U.S. Postal Service Pro Cycling Team, which sponsored the infamous Lance Armstrong. 
Well, after a year in D.C., Tamara moved to Dallas, Texas for a sales rep detail. Only she got called back to D.C. to pull an important cycling sponsorship weekend out of the fire. Following a reduction in force, Tamara moved to Winston-Salem and finished her career as postmaster of Clements. After retirement, she worked as a consultant at Motorola near Chicago. Now it's no more work, only fun and travel and more adventures. Tamara volunteers at Winston-Salem's organization since retiring with the University of North Carolina School of the Arts pulling at her heart the most. She served as the president of the Associates, a volunteer branch of the School of the Arts, and now serves on the University of North Carolina School of the Arts Board of Visitors. She's participated in the host family program for the past 11 years, where she acts like a mom away from home to students whose home is distance from the University of North Carolina, mostly Asian students. They still keep in touch with one studying the piano at Juilliard. Tamara enjoys adventure travel to unusual destinations, visiting North Korea, Iran, and Pakistan, and doesn't mind traveling all by herself. She always meets someone interesting on her journeys, like the former Greek ambassador to Iraq or a CDC doctor who instituted HIV and AIDS programs all over the world, or a gentleman who invite, invented black boxes to measure black carbon air particles. Three grandchildren who live near St. Louis and hopes to instill the love of traveling and adventure in them as well. Tamara's name indicates that she has a tendency to be a workaholic or a couch potato one extreme or the other. So I suppose her corporate life had her being the workaholic when she was called back to DC to make sure the cycling sponsorship was successful. Her name also indicates that she works hard to be on top. And the only time you'll find her in the middle is, of the pack is when she's on her way to the top. Tamara's name also indicates that she enjoys taking what she likes to the extremes. So she can't get enough of what she determines are the great things in life. This can be exemplified by the fact that she has currently traveled to 102 countries and will set foot in another three before the year is out. So I'd like to say welcome to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You radio show, Tamara. Welcome. Thank you, Sharon. It's a pleasure being on your show. Thank you. Now, we're coming close to a break, but what I really want to know is you were recently in Ethiopia, Uganda, and into Uranda to track gorillas. And I want to know, how did you select that trip and what it was to draw you to that adventure? And you've got one minute to start us and tantalize us before we go to break. Okay, I leave Monday on that trip. Oh, okay. on this one. So why did this you select Monday. this trip? Yeah, it's just, it's coming up. Um, why? Because yes. it's there. And I've always wanted to track gorillas, and I'm not getting any younger. So that being said, and one of my friends across the street, my, one of my neighbors, wants to do that too. So the two of us decided we're going over to Uganda and Rwanda. And then we decided while we're in Africa, well, let's do something else. So we decided we're going to Ethiopia first. Stay tuned to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You, and after the break, we'll find out why Tamara decided to travel to unknown places versus where most tra tourists travel.
This is Johanna Carroll, host of Dialogue with Divinity on the Exxon Broadcast Network. While walking along Kanapali Beach in Maui this past year, I kept discovering all these shells and coral in the shape of hearts. My dialogue with divinity was very simple. Do you want me to do a retreat to heal people's hearts in Maui next year? And of course, the answer was yes. As a master spiritual teacher, I am offering you a neat retreat called Rise, May 8th through the 12th, 2017. And the chance of a lifetime to rest at a five-star resort for five days and experience a spiritual renewal of your heart and soul. Kanapali is one of the top five beaches in the world. This stunning resort has undergone a $40 million renovation. I walked the entire property, checked out the room choices on your behalf, and I must say it is stunning. Our conference room faces the ocean with sliding glass doors. Maui is known as Mother Maui because it is a soft, gentle, healing energy. In the embrace of Mother Maui, you will feel yourself rising from the limitations of an ordinary life to an extraordinary journey of peace, bliss, and harmony, a greater sense of clarity. Our RISE retreat ignites renewal in the sacred elements of air, water, earth, fire, and wind. There's plenty of free time to enjoy all that Maui has to offer. A small deposit is required now to reserve your space as this retreat, it will sell out. For more details, please go to johannacarroll.com and register today. Aloha, and I'll see you in mystical Maui. How would you like to be able to read other people's minds? Well, the next best thing is here. When you know how to read a person's name, you know how the person thinks, feels, and behaves. Each letter in our name holds a key to unlock our true essence. Our name contains both our gifts and challenges in this lifetime. Nemology science discovers personality secrets hidden in the placement of the letters of our names, including the first and last impression people remember about us. Sharon shows us how to interpret the arrangement of letters as outlined in her book, Know the Name, Know the Person. Sharon Lynn Wyeth created Nemology Science after 18 years of research and testing her theories and has supported thousands of people around the world in understanding themselves and others better. You'll enjoy Sharon's unique teachings as she shares her system to learn the gifts behind your given birth name. Even if you don't like your birth name, there are jewels in this book. If you're thinking of changing your name, ready to name your child, or wanting to get along better with others, this is the book for you. If you'd like to improve your relationships and change your life for the better, get the book today. Know the name, know the person. Or visit www.knowthename.com. That's www.knowthename.com. back. I'm Sharon Lynn Wyeth, and you're listening to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You. Our guest tonight is Tamara Michael. Before the break, Tamara was answering questions about her trip, upcoming trip to Ethiopia, Uganda, and Rwanda. Please continue with what you're going to tell us about the different things you're planning on seeing and doing and how you pick this particular trip. Well, first of all, we were supposed to just go to Rwanda and Uganda, 
to see gorillas and do safari and see the mountain, I mean, the tree climbing lions and chimpanzees. And then my friend Evan and I have decided that, well, let's go to Ethiopia first. And so we looked at some tours and they just didn't measure up. So then we hit upon this one tour. You hike into the Danakil Depression, which is considered the hottest place on earth. So we're going to do that, and then we sleep by an active lava lake. And um, we just have to watch out for scorpions, and it's, it's just going to be an adventure. And we've always wanted to do this, you know, after we read the, um, the description of the trip, and it fit right in with um, the timeline. It was great. So we're just really looking forward to it. And I'm bringing marshmallows to roast over the fires, the coals, the globe lake. <laughs> Are you going to have s'mores like we had in Girl Scouts? <laughs> no chocolate. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> taking chocolate over there, and I don't think I'm taking graham crackers either. <laughs> okay. Now, I happen to know that you're one of our senior citizens, just like a lot of my friends are. And so I want to know, and I think everybody else would like to know also, is how do you stay in shape and fit for all these wild adventures you go on? Like this one, you're going to hike in. I know you've ridden camels different places and horses and hiked. And and so what are you doing to stay in shape so that you're able to do all of this traveling? Oh, that's a great question, Sharon. What I do is I work out three times a week. I like to do it every other day. And then I also walk. And I've done like nine and a half miles to get ready for this a couple times just so I can, I know if I can do five, six, seven, eight miles, I can do nine and a half. So that's no problem. But you eat well and you just got to keep your weight down. End of story. You really excel at finding places off the beaten path. So how do you go about selecting your trips since so many of them are in really unusual places versus where most tourists would think about going? Well, you know, right now I'm into ticking off countries visited. So I just try to group them in threes. And then, like, um, in in the summer, I'm going to Poland, Lithuania, and Belarus. So I just start researching these different countries, and then I put the package together, sometimes with another tour group that I find when I Google and do the research, or I do it on my own and then just piecemeal it together. It just depends on where I'm going and what tours are being offered. And sometimes friends want to come with me, So I have to consider that. And there's other times I just go by myself. Sometimes I use a tour company or a travel agency. But most, I'd say most of the time I try to cobble a a trip together myself. Well, I remember when you and I went to Russia together and I was doing research for namology and you were helping me see the patterns and pointing out different things about that, which I really appreciated. So... What advice would you give to someone else to help them select where to visit? What's in their heart? Where, I'm sure everybody, given the opportunity, say, geez, I 
always wanted to go there, or I wonder what that place is like. You know, start there and then build on it. Build on going online, doing your research, and maybe you'll find something else instead that you would like to do. You know, it's just like there's not a set. You just have to play around with it. That's it. There's yeah. not a set pattern that I use. Well, I realize with my travels that I'm seeing more and more of the same stores around the world and more and more of the sameness. And I always thought we went to travel to see something different in a different culture. And is that what's helping motivate you or are you not running into that? Um, I'm not running into that. I'm, but I go to some really crazy places like Turkmenistan you know, and then you go to Ashgabat, which is considered the marble-clad city, the white marble-clad city in the world. And they've taken old Soviet buildings and covered them in this white marble, and it just shines in the, in the daylight. You know, so I don't know. To me, it's not sameness because I really don't go to look at buildings. I go, and I like to go into grocery stores in these foreign countries to see what the people eat, what their snacks are, you know, um, that's what I like to do, you know, and just meet people. I just meet a lot of people, especially when I'm traveling alone and we come in, you know, we meet, we communicate and we just, it's just fun. And then you just meet, you just learn about them and their families and what their dreams are, which happened in Swaziland. I spent the night in a hut in Swaziland, and I had taken my iPad with me. And there were pictures of my granddaughter there, and they said, what is she doing? I said, she's a, she's a goalie. And they said, oh, no, that's a goalkeeper, but that would never happen here. And then we asked them, well, what's your dream? They said, we would love to get on a plane and just go to Johannesburg and come back. That's their dream in life. But you find out what their dreams are. Well, you've always been known for connecting with people really well. And mentioning the food, I remember in one mall in Thailand where I dropped in really fast just to exchange some money. And I thought, okay, I'm in their food court. So I decided to walk around and see what their food looked like. I did not recognize one thing as food and the colors were blue and weird colors. And I thought, you know, we don't have blue foods normally other than blueberries and stuff. And I just remember that was so fascinating. That really stuck in my mind. Okay. Yeah. So, true. you know, so there's, there's so many differences and that's what you look for and you, you'll find it. it. It'll find you. Okay. So, You've been doing this now for a while. So what we'd like to know is, how did you separate yourself from your regular job and getting used to getting up every morning and going to work and then decided, made that transition and decided to pursue traveling for your hobby? It was, it was almost like, I hate to say this, it was almost like a death because I was so left brain oriented my whole career. And then you had... And I had to learn a different way of life, basically, after I retired. And then I just started gradually traveling more and traveling more 
and traveling more and stepping outside the box. You have to step outside the box and try new things. I'm just, and even now, um, I do it. Or else, because I think I know a certain way of traveling, but there are other ways, you know, and other ways of looking at things when you're, you're out there. Well, we know that the only constant in life is change, but right. you've got to get over your fear of change and able to step out of the box. So how did you do that? You just do it. I know that sounds trite, but you just have to do it. Just take little baby steps. Try something new. It doesn't have to be. Try to go to Europe if you have never been out of the country. So you get a feel for what it's like over there. You don't have to go to Ethiopia and go to the Danakil Depression. You don't have to do that. That comes gradually. You know, so you just have to have an open mind and a sense of adventure, and you just, it, it, it'll come. It'll come. You just got to step out and do it. Do you think all this traveling has caused you to change who you were before you got out of the corporate world? Do you think you've changed a lot since then because of the traveling? Uh, yes. I think I'm much more tolerant of other people's. And I think I have learned to stay, to get out of the box in a lot of different areas of my life. Try something new. Don't be afraid. Everything's going to be fine. And have I you, just go from there. Have you ever met, what do they say, a friend that you haven't met yet or something? I mean, I've watched you on trips. You're just amazing the way you attract people to you. Is there something special about what you're doing or are you taking things with you that then you know to give as gifts that those people might like in that area? Or is it just a natural proclivity of yours that people just gravitate towards you all the time? I think it's a little bit of everything, but people do like to meet me at first because I smile and, you know, you just, you can, people can tell when you're open and you're sort of interested in them, you know, just on this trip that I just got back from in September, you know, being in the, the caucuses and the stands, people used to just come up to us and ask if they could get their pictures taken with, with us, like the Iranians and Iraqis and from Bahrain. And I I think I just exude this openness that people want to come up and sort of meet me. But then I have blonde hair, though, too, so which is really unusual over there. And it <laughs> helps to, to call attention. Not saying that I'm calling attention to myself. It's just that they see that. And they want to meet you. And in Iran, we were like rock stars over there because there weren't that many Americans coming over there a few years ago. And they wanted their pictures taken with us because we're such an anomaly over there. You know, that kind of reminds me about Bangladesh when I went to visit my daughter who was working over there at the time. And you didn't have that many cars on the road, but all of the people would crowd in and stare at the people that were in cars because it was such a rarity to see people in cars. And then our skin was so different than everybody's over there. And so we were just an anomaly. So your blonde hair would definitely stand out in many parts of the world. And being very tall. Oh, yeah, for a tall female. Yep, tall female. So. And then I, yeah, it's, I don't know, it's just, 
even the guys I travel with, you know, my suitcase husbands, as I call them, um, they say, I just can't believe how people just come up and talk to you. And we, I start the conversations, and then they come in and, and, and get in there, too, and start talking with the people. Well, I, I know that you've traveled with a lot of different people, and these two guys were just fascinated in hearing about. So please stay tuned to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You, because after the break, we're going to find out about some of the different places that Tamara has visited, what she's liked about those places, any warnings she has for us on some of the places, and also about her suitcase husbands. I mean, could you imagine traveling with other people's husbands and everybody's okay with it? That's sometimes what Tamara does. So after the break, we'll find out more about Tamara and her travels. Stay tuned. While science pursues fact, magic accesses the quantum level, bridging random facts to form truth. As long as science and magic remain separate and polarized, the truth cannot be known. I'm Gwilda Wiecka. Join me on the Science of Magic radio program, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. During each episode, I'll be speaking with experienced and respected scientists and mystics. From astrologers to astronomers, from medical doctors to shaman, the scientific method to dowsing and intuition, we'll weave together information from seemingly divergent practices to promote unity and enlightenment. Join me, Gwilda Wiyaka, and the Science of Magic right here on the Mutual Broadcast Network. For more information, visit www.thescienceofmagic.net. Gibbs A. Williams, Ph.D., is a practicing psychoanalyst, supervisor, researcher, and author in New York City. Much of his life has been dedicated to understanding nature and the uses of meaningful coincidences or synchronicities. His radical and original non-Jungian, non-mystical, non-magical theory of synchronicities illuminates much of the fog surrounding this challenging and perplexing topic. His ideas and manners are fresh, presented in a style that is both entertaining and highly informative. He is also an expert on crisis intervention, specially focused on violence reduction for the police and citizens, mastering anxiety, frustration, and stress without the use of medication, and effectively preventing and treating heroin addiction. Dr. Williams can be contacted at his email address at gwwilliamsny11 at aol.com or visit his website at... Wouldn't you love to know the secret to everything? Well then, meet Dr. Kimberly McGeorge and her cutting-edge breakthrough knowledge that combines science with possibility. Dr. Kimberly brings real-life answers and healing to those open to alternative solutions. She teaches solution-based programs and classes that will change all areas of your life forever. Specializing in conscious creation, intuitive readings, and energy medicine, you can rapidly shift health, relationships, business, and money and abundance challenges quickly. 
Receive her best-selling book, Secret to Everything, at no cost by going to secrettoeverything.com forward slash xzone. That's right. Transformation can start now. Just go to secrettoeverything.com forward slash xzone and receive Dr. Kimberly's book for free. Afterlife expert Roberta Grimes was the first one to say that dying can be fun. Now her best-selling book, The Fun of Dying, is available in stores worldwide. So if you wonder whether death ends life, how it feels to die, or what heaven might be like, The Fun of Dying was written for you. And if you have always been afraid of death, or if you worry that your life is no meaning, let The Fun of Dying ease your fears and bring new meaning to your life. Nothing said in The Fun of Dying is based on the teachings of any religion. Instead, Roberta draws on evidence to explain how death happens, how it feels, and what comes next. A lot of the best death-related evidence was produced in the first half of the 20th century. When it is put together with recent discoveries, it tells a consistent and amazing story. Roberta Grimes blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Her wonderful book, The Fun of the... Welcome back. I'm Sharon Lynn Wyeth, and you're listening to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You. Our guest tonight is Tamara Michael. We'd like to know about your suitcase husbands and how all that started and how you came up with that term. And, and I mean, it's just amazing that you get to travel with other people's husbands and everybody's okay with it. And you guys have done it so often. So please tell us about that. Okay. Um, yeah, I was going through a midlife crisis and I decided, you know, I just need to leave the country for a while. And I've always wanted to go trekking in the Himalayas. That was like, it was one of those things that I wanted to do. So I just planned and went with this group. And there were on the way over, there were these two guys. And um, they came up and started uh, speaking with me. Well, it turns out that they were from the Philadelphia area just like I was lived north of Philadelphia in Allentown, Pennsylvania. And when we were in college, I went to Moravian College in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. They went across the, the river to Lehigh University. So we had all these things in common. Well, anyway, they were just a delight to travel with for three weeks through the Himalayas and Nepal, and whitewater rafting, and everything else, and we had a great time, and they said, oh, let's do this again, and you know, it's always party promises, yeah, 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 okay, that's gonna, that's not gonna happen, well, it did, so the following year, I went with one of the guys, and his wife, and another group, you know, with a whole group, and I met them out in Vancouver, and we were sitting at the table, and he introduced, it's all in the book, anyway, um, he introduced me, his wife to the waitress and then said, oh, and she's my second wife, so hence the suitcase wife, that's how it, it turned out to be, and now it's not unusual for us to start planning a trip like maybe about three every three years or something like that or two years and the wives are fine with it I know them really well and you know it's a win-win-win situation you know the guys well the wives get to 
get rid of their husbands for three weeks, and they can go and do whatever they want to, all right? And they don't have to be there with their husbands and getting them breakfast and everything else. And the guys win because they get to travel with me, and I win because I have that two guys have my back. And we all really get along well. The synergy is fabulous. And people, even the guides, said, we love traveling with the three of you because you get along so well. And we have so much fun together. And we get into situations. I mean, it's just fun. It's just fun. Could you tell us more about your book and how it's different than other travel books? Well, um, the suitcase wife, it just we just I just went through and basically described one of our trips together, how we met and when we got into Pakistan and we did the Silk Road and the encounter with my encounter with the Taliban over there and and my Polaroid camera and just our our synergy and just the fun that we had together and some of the crazy things that happened. Weren't you scared? Have you ever traveled someplace and been scared or afraid or not been able to go someplace because the U.S. embassies have said, hey, don't go there? I mean, weren't you scared when you no. met the team? Not really. No. Um, yeah. Do I exercise caution? Yes, I do. Um, but a lot of the warnings I feel like are not warranted. I hate to I shouldn't say that. But anyway... When you get over there, it's not as as bad as you as they portray it to be. I just feel like they're just trying to protect their citizens, and they may have gone overboard a little bit. But that's my that's my that's my thing, my judgment on that. But um, we're just I'm cautious, you know, and so and my traveling companions are cautious too. We just we don't do a lot of things that are right outside the the box for dangerous things. Um, yeah, I don't know how to really tell you about that, but I, I'm i not all that scared. Okay. Because I well, feel I... that I may get hit by a bus in Winston-Salem just as much as I can get harmed in another country. But I don't go to countries like Syria or anything like that. It has to be pretty well politically uh, stable. So that's one of the criteria, a politically stable country. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not going to go into Yemen. You know, <laughs> I'm just not going to do Yemen. I'm not going to do Somalia. You know, there's just places that I'm just not going to go well, until the, the climate changes. Well, I remember when I was in Turkey, that there was all this protesting. It was a very small protest, but it was contained in one small area. And there were all these signs and everything that they were complaining about something that had happened in their government. And then they closed down the airport in the area where I wanted to go for the next week because I was over there for a month. And they closed it down to give it to our U.S. military so that they could go then and invade Iraq from that area of Turkey. And yet I read in the newspapers online that Turkey was very displeased with us and look at all these people were protesting, which of course had nothing to do with us at all. And and at the same time that they were so displeased 
and they weren't going to support us in this. And I thought, hello, they've closed down a whole private airport or commercial airport that's not military to give over to our military, right? And if that's not support, I don't know what is. So in your travels, I mean, I found that what we were hearing in our news was so different than what I was seeing. Have you seen that when you've been traveling very often or at all? Oh, yeah. You know, you just listen to the BBC when, you you know, you have TV in some of these countries. And it's a, it's a foreign look. It's, it's not through the lens of the United States. You know, it's through the lens of, of, um, of Britain or Germany. And it's, it's fascinating to see, you know, their take on the situations. I was just down in Suriname and Guyana and French Guiana down in South America, and I was down there during the, our political election. Well, I am telling you, people were just seeking us out when they found out they were Americans because they wanted to talk to us about the election. It was fascinating. Taxi drivers boat guys to take us across the river in a boat, guides. Uh, it, it was just fascinating, just interesting, their take on our election, but that everybody read and everybody knew what was going on. So were they primarily for or against a particular candidate or were they believing our news media or not? Or please enlighten us on this. Um, most of them were for a particular candidate that won. Oh, isn't that interesting? It, it was interesting, yes. And there was a line of taxi cab drivers, and they came up to me and they said, what do you think about the election? And I turned it right around, and I said, well, what do you think? And they said, oh, we're glad Trump won. And then another one said, well, I wanted Hillary to win, but most of them were for Trump. It, it was interesting. Just did they, interesting. Did they, tell you, did they tell you why? I mean, I know that in Mali, Africa, I was there during one of the elections, and their take was that they were for the people that had given them the gifts and against the people that had never done anything for them, even if the people that gave them the gifts were not the good guys type of thing. And I thought their reasoning was fascinating. So that's what I'm curious about. Was the re- Did you see any reasoning behind why they were making their selection? Um, yes. A, a lot of it was uh, lack of trust. Oh, that's, know, that's all I can say. I just don't want to say anything more because I just right. don't want to make a political you know, statement yeah, and everything else. But it's, it's interesting to see their points of view on different things that are happening in the United States. And they, they want to talk to you about it. And they want to talk to Americans. They want to know how you feel, too, about certain situations. Well, it's interesting because one of the questions I had ready for you that I wanted to know was, does being an American help you or hurt you when you're going traveling? Because I, I consider you an ambassador of a goodwill person. But have you found being an American is dangerous to claim that in some places and yet helpful in other places or how do you feel about that i don't mind claiming that i'm an american when i travel i really don't um we consider our uh, they consider us you know they're they're curious they want to meet an american 
a lot of these people from Iraq or Iran that we just ran into over in in Central Asia, you know, where they they were touring and they just wanted to they just wanted to be with an American just to see us, how we how we live and how what our dreams are and it's it, I don't know. It's just fun. It's just fun. And I've never had a problem, you know, with with a, we hate Americans. I think that's fabulous to hear because I'm aware that that many younger people that I know that are traveling that are in their 30s will often claim that they're from Canada, thinking that that's a safer thing to do than to claim that they're from America. So it's wonderful to hear that you're not encountering that problem. Do you think do you think that your age has anything to do with that also? It might. It might. And I think also with being a taller woman, you know, and I, there's a presence there and it could, it, that could help. You know, I just, I don't know the whole answer on that one. I'm just telling you what I've experienced over there and I just don't have any problems. Which I think when I travel by myself, like to Brunei or Singapore or Malaysia to a Kuala Lumpur, I have no problems. You know, I think that's wonderful because a lot of women, I think, would like to get out and travel like what you're doing, Tamara, and are a little bit hesitant or scared to go traveling by themselves. But like you, I have found that when I've traveled by myself, you're a lot more approachable because people go, how come she's by herself? And so then they come to include you or join you in. You've also. Oh, yeah. They're curious. They're just yes. curious. But that should never stop anybody from traveling. You know, I'm not saying that everybody goes by themselves straight out of the box, you know, when they decide that they want to travel. But go with a company, you know, that caters to single women, you know, and that helps you to get your confidence that you can venture out a little bit more on your own because, you know, you have that safety net in the back. Real quickly, is there one or two or more companies that you have found offer very good tours that are very interesting and a good place to start for somebody who wants to take a tour to a different place? Yes. And it's overseas adventure travel. I've had really great um, luck with them, and I just enjoy their tours, and they have single women on there. We'll continue after the break. Stay tuned. Know the name, know the genius in you. And after the break, we'll hear more of Tamara Michael and her stories. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net.
Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. I am Dr. Carl O'Helvey, founder, president of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. Wouldn't you love to know the secret to everything? Well then, meet Dr. Kimberly McGeorge and her cutting-edge breakthrough knowledge that combines science with possibility. Dr. Kimberly brings real-life answers and healing to those open to alternative solutions. She teaches solution-based programs and classes that will change all areas of your life forever. Specializing in conscious creation, intuitive readings, and energy medicine, you can rapidly shift health, relationships, business, and money and abundance challenges quickly. Receive her best-selling book, Secret to Everything, at no cost by going to secrettoeverything.com forward slash X zone. That's right. Transformation can start now. Just go to secrettoeverything.com forward slash X zone and receive Dr. Kimberly's book for free. What Happened in Benghazi is revealed by Nicholas Genix, author of Obama, Islam, and Benghazi. He informs the American people that President Obama deceived them by advocating a strong foreign policy prior to the 2012 presidential election, and Hillary Clinton supported this deception. As the title infers, there is a connection between Obama, Islam, and Benghazi. Ample evidence informs Americans that Obama's early indoctrination in the Quran developed an infinity for Islam, why the Quran is the source of discontent in many countries, and why the Obama foreign policy deception led to poor military action and caused the loss of American lives in Benghazi. Genix provides 36 questions for the Select Committee on Benghazi to validate if Americans are justified to mistrust President Obama and Hillary Clinton. An overview of Obama, Islam, and Benghazi is presented on the website www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. 
You're listening to the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Welcome back. I'm Sharon Lynn Wyeth, and you're listening to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You. Our guest tonight is Tamara Michael, who has traveled to over 100 countries and is planning on seeing another three before the year is out. She's also the author of The Suitcase Wife and can be reached if you want to get a hold of her at thesuitcasewife at gmail.com. So we were talking right before the break about overseas adventure travel as one of the companies that you really enjoyed and feel safe for somebody who's starting out. And you were just about to suggest another company when we ran into the break. Would you mind continuing? Oh, yeah, no problem. Um, Odyssey's Unlimited. I've used them before. And it. Um, I just use, I just go to the internet and just, I just comb it. I scour the internet for interesting companies. And one key thing I have found is that you write to them with a question and how fast they return your emails are, is a great indication on what kind of tour company they're going to be. You know, hands down, that is one of the, the criteria that I use. That's a that's a great hint right there. Now, do you ever find that there's hidden costs that they don't tell you about up front, that even on a tour company, or something that they find a standard? Like, I know that one of the standards is that you're going to tip your guide regardless of, you know, what the tour costs. Is there anything else that's like a hidden cost or you want to plan ahead for? Mm, no, just bring just bring plenty of money, you know, in case you find something that you like in the stores, you know, and, uh, yeah, that's, and take less clothes, you know, because you're going to be traveling, you know, from town to town, city to city, and you really don't need all that much, and who are you trying to impress anyway? I'm there to see the people, to see how they live, the cultures, you know, and see some of the, the, Um, the buildings along the way. So I try to keep my suitcase down, but I do keep a lot of things for pharmaceuticals because it's tough trying to find a drugstore when you need it. And you never know what's going to happen if you're going to get a cold or you get the diarrhea or whatever. (laughs) I make sure sure that I have that in my, my, my suitcase. Now, I know when I went to um, Tanzania in Africa, I was told ahead of time that pens were very rare there, writing, good writing pens, and that if you gave out gifts of pens, I mean, you were everybody's best friend immediately. Have you found bringing something that is rare to find in a particular area, like a door opener, and how would you find out what that item is? Um, I went into... Um, Namibia last year and for some reason I just heard in my mind take glasses so I rounded up some of my old glasses here at the house they were all reading reading glasses pardon okay go ahead I was just asking what kind of glasses go ahead yeah reading glasses and I thought you know even if they're no use for them over there. I'm going to just leave them there or I'll throw them away. No problem. 
ran into my guide. I explained to him I had these reading glasses. He says, I know who we'll give them to. And we went to this one African village, and I gave the the chief a pair of glasses, point, um, I know, 1.5 magnification, and he put them on. He got the biggest smile on his face, and my guide said, oh, my gosh, he says, in the four years I have been bringing clients to this village, that's the first time I've ever seen them smile. It was fabulous. And then we went to another African village, and the chief wasn't there, so we gave it to his wife. And the wife was just walking around whether she could see out of them or not. But that was like, she loved them. She loved them. And they said it's so expensive to even get reading glasses if you can even get into one of the bigger towns to get them. And also, I've taken animal crackers over there, like in Swaziland, for, I gave them for um, dessert one night, and the people were putting them in their socks, in their pockets, and the kids were just nibbling on them for 15 minutes, and they were mushy, but that was such a treat for them. And that's when you know you've really made a connection. They just love things like that. So is there a way other than the Internet that you find of researching, or do you just, does it just come to you, well, I'm going here, so this time I think I'll try taking candy bars, or this time I think I'll try taking something else? How do you figure that out? You know, I just, I just sit and think about it and just try to think of the country because I've done research on it before I leave. And, you know, I, I just have a gut feeling what I should bring. That's no problem. And like going to North Korea, I talked to this one woman that ran an aid agency over there, and I said, what can I take, you know? And I said, cigarettes, silence on the other end of the phone. She says, oh, no, no, she says, because TB is rampant over there. I said, well, what would you suggest? And they said, beef jerky. They love beef jerky and multivitamins. And multivitamins. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And I said, well, why? And they said, because their parents are ill and they just think it's going to help them. So I went to Costco and bought the biggest one that I could and lugged it over there and nuts and dried fruit. But the biggest hit were Snicker bars. They love <laughs> Snickers. Well, I think so it was just a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, I think chocolate's a hit. I don't care where you go around the world. Do you have a favorite place, one that you like to go back to? Or every time you take a trip, do you want to go someplace new? I always want to go someplace new because there's always so many things on the planet to do. I just, I just want to keep moving. Now, you know, I know you're a great photographer. Countries. You're a great photographer, too, and you take the most interesting pictures. What are you doing with all those photos of every place you've gone? Oh, they're in my, they're on net, uh, Flickr, you know, so they're just <laughs> stored. I don't do anything with it. I, I guess I should, but... You know, I'm traveling so much, I don't have time to put it all together. Well, people ask me, I got this request. They said, we, I want a selfie. I want you to take a selfie with the gorilla. 
with the silver back. And I said, you want me to do a selfie with the silver back? I said, okay. <laughs> well, I think for your second book, I think it'd be wonderful to see the pictures of where you've gone, especially because you take so many pictures of people and really interesting things and not just the buildings or the, the things that are, you know, sprouted as touristic. Well, that might be a possibility, but I'll tell you what, even better yet for instant gratification, you know, on this trip coming up, I'll start posting under the suitcase wife on Facebook. So more people can see them. Usually I post it under my own personal um, Facebook page, but I'll start posting under the fate of the suitcase wife. Oh, that sounds lovely. So we can all travel vicariously with you on your adventures. Yes. Yes. Now, I noticed also, having had the benefit of traveling with you, that you sent postcards out with pictures while we were traveling. How did you manage that one? Well, there's this company, um, mainmail.com in Phoenix, Arizona, And I started using them years ago when I was working in the post office. I was in sales at the time. And they were one of my customers. So anyway, what you do is that you go on their website. You can put one of your pictures that you have taken and write up a little narrative on the back. And they have an address listing there. So you just tick off everybody that you want to receive a postcard, and they process it in Arizona and then send it out to all your friends in the United States or foreign. So that's a homemade postcard from wherever you're at with what you think is most exciting to take picture. On that same thing, can you put multiple pictures, like some postcards have multiple pictures on there? No. No, it's one picture. I I haven't found out how to do that. I just take one of my favorites and, and, and do it. Yeah, I just think that's fabulous. Is there any final words that you'd like everybody to know about traveling? Traveling, don't be afraid. Just do it. Just try it. Your life will be so enriched by, by going out. It'll be so interesting. And the people that you meet or the experience you have, and just keep an open mind and just meet the people in the other cultures. And when you think you have a bad day here in the United States, it's nothing. Some of these people over there, they barely have shelter. They have barely have clothes. They barely have food. And we are so fortunate here in the United States to have what we have. And that's traveling. will really point that out to you very, very quickly. Well, thank you so much for being with us tonight, Tamara. You can order The Suitcase Wife at Amazon. And if you'd like to keep up with Tamara's adventures, you can follow her on Facebook under The Suitcase Wife or contact her through her email, thesuitcasewife at gmail.com. Tamara likes to take things to the extreme. And if you have the letter M in your name, so do you. The letter M takes the letters that are sitting next to it to the extreme, and it's an all or nothing, and whatever those other letters next to it mean, that's what you really want to do well in, and you really want to take those items to the extreme. And you know where your genius lies? I'm Sharon Lynn Wyeth, host of the radio show Know the Name, Know the Genius in You, which can be heard every weekday at various hours right here on xzbn.net radio. 
And you can find about more about names at knowthename.com.